Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be interviewing a writer, speaker, actor, teacher, creativity, and productivity specialist, Samantha Bennett. And if you are an overwhelmed procrastinator, frustrated overachiever, or even recovering perfectionist, tune in as Sam will share how to focus and move forward on your goals. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. And I invite you to connect with me via my website, which is goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And there you can find out more about me, connect with me for coaching and all the good stuff. Um, So, Benny, what's going on with you? Uh, Not a whole lot. Still trying to get over, you know, being perfect around here. So I think our guest today is going to help me through it. Absolutely. And so have the boys started school yet? We actually had our open, uh, what is our open uh, classroom day yesterday. So we met the two teachers. It's great because the boys are across the hall from each other. So, you know, they're not far. You know, it's that brotherly love. Uh And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great third grade year. Oh, I can't believe that. (laughs) You were just posting pictures online of you. You know, if those out there don't realize, Benny does DJ on the side um, for events. And he has this wonderful picture of when one of the boys was baby, baby, baby. And one of those little, (laughs) you know, papoose carriers on his chest. It was a Bjorn, (laughs) baby Bjorn. Bjorn, (laughs) As he's up on the DJ, like spin the turntables or whatever. Yeah, the job's (laughs) still got to get done. In fact, uh, that was a wedding I did a couple years ago. It was in two locations. So uh, one was overlooking the West Seattle uh, Bridge area, and then the other part was in Lake Union. So I had to get there early, set up for the uh, ceremony part, and then shoot back over to the other area. And um, the boy's mother uh, brought my boys later, so I had to get a head start on everything. And it was just a timing on nap time and eating and feeding. So I'm like, (laughs) one couldn't be held by both. So uh, I went ahead and grabbed the Bjorn, threw it on, and I went ahead and continued the wedding and my uh, MC duties. With, uh, I believe it was Eli on my chest. And so he fell asleep, you know, because I was bouncing around doing my little thing. And there's a microphone shot of me trying to, I think I was in the middle of doing some, uh, I think uh, the wedding bouquet toss, I think is when it was. And yeah. Um, yeah, and he fell asleep and his little binky was, you know, like hanging down. So he's yes. out. He was totally out. So parents know. <laughs> Babies can sleep through anything, yeah, huh? Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, that was cute. Well, happy third grade year to Thank the you. boys. Thank yeah. you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, we are really excited to welcome back to Sunny in Seattle, Samantha Bennett. Um, and she's, of course, come out with several books. And we'll be discussing uh, the books and all of her work. Um, so if you are, as Benny said, teased in the intro, because um, I relate to most of these, overwhelmed procrastinator, frustrated overachiever, and recovering perfectionist, uh, we will have a lot of good material for you today. So originally from Chicago, Sam Bennett is, uh, Benny, as, as Benny said, a writer, speaker, actor, teacher, and creativity productivity specialist. Um, she's also the author of the best-selling Get It Done, From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day, and that is the last time we talked with Sam on the show. We were discussing that book when it came out. Seth Godin called it an instant classic, essential reading for anyone who wants to make a ruckus. 
Um, so her latest bestseller uh, is Start Right Where You Are. So we'll be talking about some of that material today. She's also the creator of the Organized Artist Company dedicated to helping tens of thousands of creative people get unstuck helping them to focus and move forward on their goals. Sam has also written the script for the hit musical In a Booth at Chasen's and is working on her latest book, Secrets of Highly Creative People. Find out more by going to her website, uh, which is therealsambennett.com. That's therealsambennett.com. And you can find her on social media at therealsambennett. Uh, Sam, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Sonny. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, everybody. I- Yay. Um, so I just want to say at the outset, kind of set the tone here, because, you know, when someone might see that you work with creatives and they might think, well, I'm not a creative, I'm not an artist. And, and I just want to uh, let everyone know that this will apply to you. So how would you define creative and who will this apply to, Sam? <laughs> yeah, that's such an important distinction because I hear that all the time. of like, oh, I'm not really creative. But here's the thing. Everyone's creative. Everyone's creative. You know how they say that our bodies are like 75% water? I think our souls are 62% creativity. (laughs) (laughs) Now, everyone's creative. Not everyone is artistic, right? Mm -hmm. In the same way that not everyone is musical. Mm -hmm. But creativity has to do with a talent for problem solving. If you've ever solved a problem differently than anybody else has ever solved that problem, or more easily than anybody else has ever solved that problem, congratulations, you are in your zone of creative genius. And sometimes we don't notice it because, first of all, we're used to thinking about creativity and artistic talent as going hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really, um, but it also, we tend not to notice it because it comes so easily to us. We think, well, that can't really be a thing. Mm -hmm. But it's totally a thing. The ability to, you know, solve a problem or organize a space or know what to say to someone when they're upset or um, engineer something, design something, create a meal out of, you know, two old eggs and a <laughs> half a rind of cheese, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> that you just have that ability to sort of look at a situation and go, well, I don't know, but I think it's this, you know, like clearly we think we should just do this. Yeah. That's your creative genius. Yeah. And I love that. Um, I remember when I read Get It Done uh, a couple of years ago and you had this fabulous list that went on for pages really about all the things that could be ways that creativity manifests for individuals in their life. And I thought, oh, I'm a creative because I found myself in several of the things on the list. And I thought I just had never thought about it that way. And I liked how inclusive your definition is because I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think if, if, you know, this is a spiritual station. So, you know, if we are pieces of the divine, the divine is a creator. So I believe you, our soul is 62% or more creativity. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Expressing itself in form. So... Well, you know, I want to back up a little bit, actually, um, because I know you have such an interesting background, especially compared to most of our guests here, because you had you were with Second City um, as did, doing improvisational comedy, which that is like is that's basically the best one in the United States, is it not? We like to think so. I have heard those things, so I'll validate that. But you've had quite the path to get to where you are writing these best-selling books and helping, um, you know, as you said, uh, uh, frustrated, let's see, I'm going to say it again, overwhelmed procrastinators, frustrated overachievers and recovering perfectionists. So can you walk us through, you know, your path to get where we sit today? Yeah, it was completely sideways and inadvertent. (laughs) (laughs) As it normally is. Yeah, very little of this was intentional. Um, (laughs) What was intentional was I I set out to be an actor. I was one of those kids who 
you know, did plays in school and went to theater camp. And it was really all I ever wanted to do. Um, although I do remember telling my third grade teacher that I wanted to be an actor and a writer and a teacher. Wow. And look, here I am, an actor and a writer and a teacher. It worked. Um, but, uh, and so I had, you know, I had one of those careers uh, in Chicago and then later in Los Angeles that went well enough that you didn't want to give up on it. You know, I always had an agent. I would book parts. I was on the Drew Carey show in Days of Our Lives. I got into Second City. You know, I did well, but not so well as to actually be able to support a person. Mm-hmm. So that meant that the whole rest of my life was this just nonstop jumble of jobs and gigs and auditions and shows and projects and late night shows and early morning gigs and side gigs and half gigs and like, (laughs) there's a lot of running around and it was creatively very satisfying and financially disastrous. Mm. And along the way, I started to get really interested in this question of how do creative people make decisions? How do entrepreneurs make decisions? How do you know what to do when there isn't a right way to do it? You know, when there's no, there's no, there's no path, there's no checklist, right? There's no right way to be a best-selling author. There's no right way to be a, you know, an actor or a dancer or a kindergarten teacher or an accountant for that matter. Mm-hmm. So how do you figure out which of your 137 ideas you should be working on right now? How do you move forward in a way that feels good to you and that, you know, especially in the middle where you can sort of the groan zone, you know, where yeah. it's like it's boring and you don't want to do it anymore. Um, or you're getting towards the end and it looks like it might really be real and that totally freaks you out. Um, like, how do you manage all of this? And so I started, you know, just devising little worksheets and I started offering a class called Get It Done, um, like in a church basement in Van Nuys for 11 people. Mm. And it was really fun. I really loved it. And as time went on, I was doing more and more of it. And then one day I sort of went, huh, I wonder if I could do this full time. And then I thought, I guess I should order a business card. (laughs) (laughs) I knew nothing. (laughs) I knew nothing about starting a business. I knew nothing about online marketing. I knew nothing about email. I knew nothing about sales. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing. Um, but I learned really fast. <laughs> yeah. And that led to, uh, the organized artist company that led to the organized artist company. So I started teaching classes online so that I could open myself up to a, you know, a larger, um, constituency of people, uh, and not just people who were local. Um, I fell in love with sales and marketing because yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I was, you know, much like a lot of people like, Oh, that's icky. You know, like who who wants to do that? But what I found out was that the thing that fascinates me about marketing is exactly the same thing that always fascinated me about acting, Uh which is why do people do what they do? Why do they say they'll do something and then they don't, or they say they would never do something and then they do. And why is there language that will motivate them or demotivate them? And really what entrepreneurship is all about. It's about telling great stories It's about connecting with people and being of service to them. And it's about being authentic and real and truthful. And I'm like, I can do that. Yes. (laughs) You're doing it very well. (laughs) Yeah. So I do want to ask, because I heard you tell this story. Gosh, I I must have been a call that you did a while back or something. And then I also saw it referenced in um, the latest book, Start Right Where You Are. 
So, and I want, I would love it if you would share this story just because I feel like there are folks out there that are kind of in the middle of the journey and, and that it's not all sunshine and roses. And I remember you said you had a moment when you were at Target and there was this $16 pair of yoga pants and you realized that you couldn't buy them or you didn't feel like you could afford them. And that was a really pivotal moment for you because now, you know, we know you, the organized artist company is, uh, you know, doing very, very well. Um, it's providing a lot of great wisdom for people out there as well as creating abundance in your life. So how did you shift from that mindset where you were kind of, I hate to use that cliche and I want to have you talk about this later in the show too, but the starving artist to a thriving entrepreneur? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was really broke for a really long time and I was really good at it. You know, I shopped in thrift stores. I can show me beans and rice. I can make you anything. <laughs> like, I was really good at surviving on a nickel. And and I really, um, this isn't the part of myself I'm most proud of, but I think I was, I, I had a little moral superiority around that too. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that that was kind of better that I was like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, that people who had a lot of money or spent a lot of money were you know, wasteful or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then I had this moment in Target where I realized I was financially challenged enough to not really feel like I could afford a $16 pair of yoga pants. And I just, first I just burst into tears because it all just seemed so tragic and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then I had this voice in my head that was like, Samantha, you are an adult woman. You are an educated person with talents and skills. This is B ass like you are doing this to yourself yeah you know like there's no shortage of money out there you have no shortage of ideas and things you can share with the world no one is keeping you in this position except you mm-hmm. you know and I realize this voice sounds kind of harsh but it was really kind of clarifying I don't know it was you know like sort of an old testament thing you know when the angels show up and <laughs> with a yeah. flaming sword and they're like hey, hey you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, and I, I just, I, I just had, I mean, the thought, honestly, in my head was figure it out, figure it out. It can't be that hard to make money. Stupider people than you have done it, <laughs> you know, and, um, and I realized there was, a, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, self-esteem issues. You know, I had been started building this email list and the email list was great. People were really responsive and they wrote me back and it was felt really lovey-dovey. Um, but I hardly ever offered them anything for sale Yeah, because I was more interested in having a community of people that I felt loved and approved of me than I was interested in having money. Yeah. And once I realized that I could have both, <laughs> that I could have, that first of all, learning to disconnect from the need for other people's love and approval is an important step in anyone's journey, particularly for the entrepreneur um, and the artist, but uh, but also realizing like, no, no. And in fact, Sunny, you're going to be the first, I've never said this on publicly before, but I'll say it here. I'll say it here now. Awesome. I think that undercharging or not charging for your services, whatever they are, your, your creations is actually lying. Ooh, say more. It's duplicitous. Right. In the same way that we know it's duplicitous to say that something has an enormous amount of value when it's really a piece of junk. Right. Yeah. That, that's clearly fraudulent. Same thing. 
to Ooh. say that something has that something that clearly has value and to give it away or not charge enough for it is misleading the consumer. It's misleading the person who's buying it into believing that it's not as valuable as it is. Wow. I to use that analogy that you just did really <laughs> this landed for me. <laughs> so I imagine it did for some other people out there. Right? I mean, yeah. I kind of I have to say, I kind of blew my own mind when I thought of that. I was like, oh my gosh, but it's yeah. true, right? I mean, you wouldn't want me to hand you a diamond and say, oh no, this old thing, it's, you know, no big deal. Yeah. You wouldn't know to take care of it. You wouldn't know to treasure it. We have to help people understand the value of what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. And that's one of the things that you talk about and start right where you are is what currency do you want to get paid in? And mm -hmm. I think that's such a good point. I mean, do you mind saying a little bit more about that? What you mean by what currency do you want to get paid in? Yeah. So this was another sort of big aha for me was and I realized, oh, you're always getting paid. Mm -hmm. You're always getting paid. You are getting paid in the currency you're asking for. So some people are asking for Facebook likes. Some people are asking for shares. Some people like, you know, are asking for love and approval. Some people, and I was like this for a long time too, kind of like to get paid in neglect. Mm. There was a point in time when my self-esteem was so low, it sort of made sense to me to work really, really hard and be basically ignored for it. Mm. So I'm curious, because that sounds like some pretty... Uh, uh, intense, uh, perhaps subconscious or conscious, maybe a combination of both, limiting beliefs, programming, et cetera. How did you shift that? A million tiny steps. Mm, yeah, yeah. A million tiny steps. Here's the thing is, you know, self-help stuff, all this self-help stuff actually works. Yeah, it really does. And for those of you who are listening, you know, I know this is not your first self-help rodeo, right? You guys, have, you guys have read the books, you've taken the workshops, you've gotten the certifications, you tune into Sunny, like you are, you are keyed in to the, the critical piece of information, which is that it is your mind that is creating your reality, right? Yeah. Everything that's happening is really just, you know, the past is just a movie that we're running inside of our mind. The future is just a movie that we're running inside of our mind. Most of what's happening in the present is just a movie that we're running inside of our mind. Exactly. So like how you, so it's really, you know, you are really driving this train. So the more, and once you really come to terms with what that means to accept 100% responsibility for how you are reacting to your life. Again, it's a very bracing sort of cold water moment, but it's also like cold water really energizing and clarifying. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be a little extra clear about something. I do not believe that our thoughts create our reality in that, like the word manifesting kind of bugs me. Um, you and me both. Right. Cause I don't, I don't think that's so. I don't think that we create everything that happens in our lives. I think sometimes things just happen. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes really crappy things happen. <laughs> you know? yeah. And that's not because you're not a good enough person or because your positive attitude hasn't been positive enough. Like, that's not why. Just things happen we, that are completely out of our control. However, the way in which we respond to these things is 100% within our control. Yep. So that ongoing process of really learning how to question my thoughts and beliefs, and I give a ton of credit to the work of Byron Katie. God bless that woman. She saved my life. You and me both. <laughs> Literally saved my life um, and continues to. I mean, I return to her work over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, and just that understanding that you you know I think we tend to spend a lot of time focused on things that are outside of our control, things like other people and what they do, and not nearly enough time um, enough time focused on what we can do and change for ourselves about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So there were a lot of changes that you made, which obviously have manifested or using that word now, but have now <laughs> That's made themselves... the correct use of the word manifested. Though. Perhaps. Yes. <laughs> yes. But so your life changed dramatically. And so now yeah. when you look out in the world and people say, uh, you know, well, I can't make a living doing what I love or the, they repeat the starving artist cliche. What do you say to people about that now? Well, you know, the, the, the voice inside my head says, congratulations, you get to be right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you really want to believe that no one wants what you have or that you can't make a living doing it, well, then, you know, you always win the game you're playing, right? You get to, you, <laughs> if, if, that's, if that's what you want to believe and you're going to be intent on proving that to me, then I'm sure you can. Good yeah. job. Um, however, you know, might there be a benefit in, in believing something else? or at least experimenting with something else. And here's the thing, you know, art doesn't have to be good and you don't have to be talented to do it. Yeah. There is no evidence anywhere that art has to be good. And in fact, even when I think of some of my favorite, favorite, favorite books or movies or songs, you know, again, those ones that have saved me, right? The books I've read over and over again, the ones I've just loved and escaped to all the time none of them would appear on anyone's list of like greatest literature. <laughs> yeah. And I love reading great literature too, but this, the, but the books that have really moved me that have, have delighted me, the movies that have, you know, taken me out of myself and, and, and caused me to fall in love with the world again. They're not great art. They're just movies. Right. Yeah. So stop thinking that it's gotta be good. You're not in charge. You're a terrible judge of your own work. You may have noticed this, all of you. You are a terrible judge of your own work. You are also a terrible judge of whether or not you are quote unquote ready. I'm here to tell you if the opportunity is in front of you, you're ready. That's it. Go do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So <clears throat> I also wanted to ask, because I feel like before we dive into some of the, the, the more nitty gritty details of exactly how you help people and um, you know, what tips you have for our audience today. One of the things that I loved from Start Right Where You Are was that you kind of at the outset were like, okay, we're going to have a conversation about God. And and I would love, I'm just going to read a quote here and um, would love to talk to you a little bit more about this. But the book says, or Sam says in the book, if you don't believe that you can be creatively fulfilled, well, it doesn't really matter what productivity tools I give you, does it? And if you're not sure that it's really okay for you to be calm and successful and love no matter what, then no amount of helpful advice will change your patterns. So we need to start at the very beginning, at the very center of you and work outward. We start with your soul. This means that I will, in fact, be talking about God. <laughs> and I'm curious why you decided to just go there in this book. I mean, I love it. This it resonated. The book resonated even more deeply for me because you went there, but it felt like a brave choice perhaps to pull that in. Oh, Sunny, thank you so much for saying that. Cause it certainly felt like a brave choice at the time. <laughs> it was really me sort of coming out of the closet as a, as a God girl. And, and it has kind of been, <clears throat> I don't know if it's been a well-kept secret, but it's, uh, uh, 
my work has always been about um, spiritual growth, right? Yeah. Um, it's been spiritual growth in the guise of productivity coaching, in the guise of creativity <laughs> coaching, in the guise of, you know, <clears throat> how to make more money as an entrepreneur or how to market or how to do email marketing or how to write books or, you know, um, I put it, uh, I put a lot of different outfits on it. Uh-huh. But the core of the work is really helping people um, notice how good they are, mm. how wonderful and magical they are, what a beautiful success they are making of their lives. You know, you all are doing so well. You have people who love you. You have a positive impact in the world. You look great, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, really, <laughs> people look beautiful. And, and you're you, you're the only one of you that there is. That's amazing. And we're not here for very long. So to take this time to enjoy your life and enjoy your work and do your work, yeah. do the work that is in front of you, um, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Man, I couldn't agree more. And I actually think that's a beautiful place to take our break so we can pick up uh, with that and some other beautiful, um, I think, the part where your soul led you certain places, which is included in the book as a way that others can follow that intuition and their leanings. But um, let's go ahead. Benny, is that okay if we take our break? Let's do it. Okay. So you have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am joined today by writer, speaker, actor, teacher, and creativity productivity specialist, Samantha Bennett. And if you want to check out the book that we are discussing most from today, that is Start Right Where You Are, How Little Changes Can Make a Big Difference for Overwhelmed Procrastinators, Frustrated Overachievers, and Recovering Perfectionists. The website, if you want to visit it while we're on break, is therealsambennett.com. And we will be back in just a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Are you ready to get unstuck from a bad marriage and embrace your best life? If you're anything like me, you may have spent years creating a life that looks pretty good on paper. There's just one problem. Your marriage is unhappy and unfulfilling, but you're too scared to trade your comfortable life for a future full of unknowns. In my new book, Unhitched, I will give you the tools you need to make the right decisions about your marriage as well as the confidence that your future can be better and brighter than you can even imagine. I share my own very personal story, and I will guide you through a clear process that will enable you to answer the question, should I stay or should I go? It's a process that will help you tune out fears and unwanted advice, and instead tune into your own intuition and inner wisdom, as well as exit a marriage gracefully and feel secure about your future. Get ready to trade confusion and stagnation for your best life. Unhitched. Unlock your courage and clarity and unstick your bad marriage. Available today on Amazon.com. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 AM. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. 
Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it, but only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, joined today by Sam Bennett um, and with the Organized Artists Company. Uh, thanks, Benny, for <laughs> that music. But I actually have to jump in there and say, you know, when you are doing work you love, you are not working for the weekend. This you are just, <laughs> you're just living. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, okay, so before the break, um, Sam was sharing with us, you know, why she went there to really, um, you know, talk about God in this book. And I, 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 I had a mentor describe it to me, Sam, once as you said that it's all under the guise of helping procrastinators and creatives and over overachievers, et cetera. Um, and I had a mentor say, you know, that's the we portal through which they find you and then they get in and they get the good stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you go there. Um, and one of the stories that I think is a really a beautiful um, living example of how when you are led by your soul and, and intuition and all of the good things, when you really allow God or the divine or whatever you like to call it to be in your life, cool things happen. And I, I would love it if you would share the story about uh, how you ended up living where you do, because it feels, again, like a part of your evolution of allowing the good things to happen and knowing that you're worthy of receiving them and they're available to you. Yeah, this is a little bit amazing. I, I, you know, I grew up in Chicago. I loved living in Chicago. I had been moved to spent 15 years living in LA and I loved living in LA. I know LA gets a bad rap, but I really liked it. <laughs> um, but um, there came a moment, you know, I first, I heard about Carpinteria on the first weekend I'd lived in LA. It was, you know, 1994 and I overheard two women having a conversation with each other, not with me. And one of them said something to the other about Carpinteria. And I did not know what that was. I had never heard the word before. I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, but I had that feeling. And to me, everybody's intuition talks to them a little bit differently. Mine usually sort of feels like a gong in my belly. <laughs> I hear this sort of deep that. gong sound. Um, it sometimes also feels like I'm remembering something I've forgotten. Ooh, you know, yeah. I have that like, oh, 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 right. So I heard that word and I thought, that's my place. But I didn't think anything about it because I didn't know, because I didn't know <laughs> what it was. Or what it, I didn't know where, nothing. So it took me another couple of years to finally get here. And uh, it turns out it's only about 90 minutes from LA. And so uh, the first time we came up, we came up and parked and walked out onto the beach and the potted dolphins swam by and I was like, well, there's your welcome committee. You know, and I was like, this is good. This is good for me. I like this here. And it's this really charming, tiny, tiny town that is like untouched by time. Mm. And, um, and so I would come up periodically, you know, I'd, we'd come up for the weekend, we'd come up for lunch. I'd come up when I wanted a break, you know, it was just 
a place I really, really loved. And every time I would come, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, can you imagine people live here? Like, oh, what would that be like? I could never even think about doing that. But that was so amazing. And then and then and then and then my life fell apart <laughs> the way life does occasionally. Um, and I spent six weeks crying on the couch, which is what you do when your life falls apart. And then I had one little idea. And my one little idea was like, well, maybe I could go to Carpinteria. And I thought, well, that's, that's not impossible. So I got a short-term rental and I said, okay, I'm, I'm going on a writing retreat. Cause I wasn't really willing to commit to moving or anything. I was like, I'm, it's a writing retreat. Uh, so I came up here for a couple of weeks and got a ton of writing done. And then I got another short-term rental and then I moved and it is far and away the smartest thing I've ever done. <laughs> it's so beautiful here all the time. I had, I had a mentor once who said, you know, you can sort of a quick gut check on how you feel about your life. How do you feel when you look out the window? Oh yeah. Right. Cause I lived in that basement apartment in the, in the crummy neighborhood in Chicago where there weren't windows. And the one that there was looked out into the alley, like, you know, oh, I've had, yeah. right. I had that, day job in the high rise looking out onto the other high rise buildings and just ugh. but now I look out I live across from an estuary I see the Santa Inez mountains I see this estuary with herons and egrets and gulls and ravens and I'm a block from the beach I can hear the waves I can smell the ocean like it's ridiculously beautiful all the time and we were talking during the break, you know, I'm not sure that the soulmate thing is really a thing for people. Yeah. I don't really buy that. Uh, but I think it might be a thing for places. <laughs> yes. I think, it, I think there might be geographic locations that are just like, you are especially designed to fit there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel that exact same way. I mean, we ended up in Petaluma. Um, I'd never heard of the town before. We did a scouting adventure where we visited, you know, all around the Bay Area, three hours north, several hours south. And it was like a game of warmer, colder. And it feels like a lock and a key being here in Petaluma. Like the energy is just off the charts. Um, and Seattle will always feel like a home to me. It's where we moved from. But this is this is my uh, soulmate now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I also just want to point out um, that when you listen to that call and you, you went there and consider the possibility, maybe, maybe I could live there. Maybe I could go there. And you did that. The writing that you did there became your first, uh, like with mm -hmm. a big publishing house book, get it done. Right. That's right. Actually, I wrote the book proposal on that yeah. trip. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> what happens yeah. when you listen to those urges? It's true. It's true. And I also want to underline something else that you said that I think is super important. Um, th this idea that, that uh, you know, you can't make money doing what you love. Um, in fact, it's so much easier to make money when doing what you love because of it, because it doesn't feel like work because you're not working for the weekend yeah. because, you know, you don't feel stress, right? When you're, I, I think I have a theory that stress has to do with, um, not being an integrity with yourself, right? So integrity yeah. is being whole and complete, right? Same root word as integer, a whole number, right? Being the same all the way through. Yep. And if you're saying, okay, my values are, you know, honesty and creativity and love, but you are not spending your days being honest, creative and loving, you're going to feel that fracture. You're going to feel that 
that disconnect. And that's, I think, where the stress comes from, right? And doing things you don't want to do in a way you don't want to do them. That's hard and stressful and exhausting. Yeah, I but like when, that theory. <laughs> right? But when you are doing things, you know, when you start being really honest with yourself about what your values are and being honest about what you can do and what you won't do um, and not compromising, all of a sudden it's a lot easier. I mean, I still sometimes work really long hours, but I don't feel stressed about it. I feel fine. Yeah. And that, that to me brings up the question of, okay, since we've talked about, you know, um, procrastinators and as we've talked about, it's in the, the subtitle of the book, et cetera. Do you feel like procrastination is at all linked to, um, doing things that we don't love or what do you, what do you, how do you define procrastination or does it even fit into what we're talking about? Yeah, no, it definitely does. And it's, you know, procrastination is a big, big word that covers a lot of ground. You know, it can mean different things for different people. It's right up there with overwhelm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hear from all the time that people feel overwhelmed and I'm like, let's get a little more granular about that. <laughs> um, sometimes procrastination just means that your project is too big. Okay. And this especially happens with highly creative people. You know, they get an idea and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, they can see the whole thing, you know, and there's sequels and theme parks, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. an international grassroots movement and like, <laughs> t-shirts. You know? And then they immediately get paralyzed because how could you even move forward on an idea that big? Yeah. Um, so, so if, and so if that's you, if you're sort of raising your hand around that, then my big advice is 15 minutes a day. Yeah. Spend 15 minutes a day, every single day on the project that matters most to you and do it before you check your email, before <laughs> you check your email, before you check your email. Say more about that. <laughs> well, we all know what happens the minute you check the email, the minute you open the news feed, the minute you, you open the social media, you go right down the rabbit hole and you're there for hours, right? Right. And I, so partly it's just time management, but also, but it's doing the important things first. It's making time for yourself first. I think a little bit, you know, sometimes I think one of the cool things about going to therapy or about hiring a coach or a mentor or taking a program is that message that you send to yourself of investing in yourself of like, you know what, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to do this because this matters to me. I want this hour a week. I want this time. I want this training for me. Um, and there's something really galvanizing about that and exciting and energizing about it. And I think the same thing happens when you spend 15 minutes a day on the projects that matter most to you. You get to, you, hopscotches right over your perfectionism because how good is it going to be in 15 minutes? <laughs> it allows you to be in a little bit of an exploratory stage of like, well, I think today maybe I'll experiment with this idea. Maybe tomorrow this idea. Maybe, you know, you can sort of follow the sparkly breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and... And, and this is not to be underestimated, you get that delightfully smug feeling. <laughs> you know, the same one you get when you work out in the morning. You're like, that's right. <laughs> that's right, people. That's how awesome I am. I went to CrossFit. How about you? Okay. <laughs> and that, you know, that's a lot of positive reinforcement when you feel a little smug about yourself. So, so that's one is if it's just too big. Yeah. Sometimes we procrastinate on things because we genuinely don't care about them. Yeah. You don't want to do it. You don't care about doing it. It's somebody else's idea. It's somebody else's dream. It's some big should that you inherited from somewhere. And if that's the case, then for the love of all that's holy, cross it off the list. I mean, like, why would you torture yourself over not doing something that you don't care about doing to begin with? Right. 
And if it's something that absolutely has to get done and only you can do it, you can't delegate it, you can't cross it off the list, you actually have to do it, then acknowledge to yourself that you're not interested in it and bribe yourself in exactly the same way you would a nine-year-old, you know, <laughs> like, like Benny does with his, with his third graders. Like, okay, kid, <laughs> you and I both know you don't want to do this math homework <laughs> and we both know it has to be done. Oh, so no. what's it going to take, you know, exactly. like, do the math homework and you can go play outside for an hour, go do the math homework and you can, you know, have a treat or what, you know, we'll listen to your music yeah. or whatever it is, whatever it is yeah. that lights you up a little bit, yeah. um, but stop expecting yourself to somehow wake up in the morning wanting to do the thing that you are completely not interested in doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have to ask, cause I have, I've actually had this conversation quite a bit recently and I'd really love to get your thoughts on it. So I have, uh, some teachers in my life that are really all about wait for the inspired action. Cause we know I, why well, say we, I know what it feels like when I have those mornings, when I wake up and I'm, you know, as Abraham Hicks puts it, tuned in, tapped in, turned on. Like, I just feel like an open conduit for whatever needs to come through. And I could go for 12 hours writing and creating and doing the things. Then there are other teachers I have in my life, you know, who say, I make my calendar and I put everything I need to do. And I don't care if I'm sick. I don't care if I'm unmotivated. I don't care what it, I, I show up and I do the things that I have committed to doing and I am disciplined about it. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts on like that. Is there a balance? Like, where do you take action, Sam? Because I find that the energy that I create from it has a different landing with people. Like if I come from a place of inspired action, the tapped in, tuned in, turned on, I find that things seem to, people respond more uh, in more meaningful ways or it lands better. Whereas if I try to do it when I'm having a really crappy day, there's not the same energy behind it. So I, I tend to wait until I feel inspired, but sometimes that means things don't get done for a long time. So where do you fall on that spectrum or what are your thoughts on that, Sam? Yeah. And that's, I mean, what you're saying is really the dance of the thing. You know, mm -hmm. there, there isn't a, a, a right answer. I think both are true. I think it is important to have a schedule and have goals and set a timeline and be absolutely relentless in the pursuit of those things that you say mm -hmm. you want. Mm -hmm. And it's important to relax and be in the moment and surrender to what's happening and notice that things aren't always going to go according to your plan and that projects often have their own rhythm and time. And, you know, Sometimes you just got to soften up and give in a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, and the, the key, I think, to a, to a happy life is, is really, is bringing those two concepts closer together, right? These are two seemingly opposite things that are true at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you bring them closer together and sort of surf the energy between these two ideas, you know, rather than saying, oh, it's got to be all one way or all another way. In the same way that like, you know, on the one hand, we're really concerned about what everybody else thinks, and we really want everyone to love and approve of us. And also, equally, at the same time, we sort of don't really care what anybody has to say about us. <laughs> like, both of those things are true. So bring those ideas closer together. Bring bring those things more in line with with you and with what you want. And, and just keep showing up to the idea. Um, I will say one little strategy I came up with that really helped me is when there's something that I, I think I really want to do <laughs> and there doesn't seem to be any reason to not do it. And yet I notice it's not getting done. Uh -huh. 
And this is where I, the self-criticism usually kicks in, right? Why haven't you done that? Why haven't you finished that book yet? Why haven't you done that project yet? Why haven't you started working out again yet? What's the matter with you, right? Yeah. That seriously critical, obnoxious voice in your head starts having a field day with how, what's, you know, why aren't you doing this? Is I change, I just changed the voice in my head to be one of happy anticipation. I wonder what's going to happen that's going to make me want to write that book. I wonder what invitation the universe has for me that's going to cause me to like fly into this thing so effortlessly. I just can't wait to find out. Maybe yes. it will come today. I don't know. Yeah, I, I love that uh, because I've, I've heard often, you know, your brain is going to chew on the question or the problem that you give it. So if you're reframing it the way that you just did, every part of your being that's available to you will be working on it. How can this be easier? How will this fly into my life? As opposed to <laughs> the more negative aspect that you mentioned previously. Well, exactly. And you've touched on exactly right. The, what the brain does best is find what it's looking for. Yes. What the brain does best is answer questions. So 100% the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions you're asking. Oh yeah, totally. Will you repeat that? Yeah. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions you are asking. And I have certainly had the quality of questions in my life be something like, Oh my God, is it really only three fifteen? Am I going to make it to five <laughs> without throwing myself and everything else in this office out the window? <laughs> You know, like that's, you know, maybe I should, you know, can I have another cup of coffee? Would that, would that help? Um, <laughs> to having the questions be, how can I encourage a million highly creative people to move forward on their ideas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so that, that right there, what you just mentioned is a fantastic strategy that everyone can apply at this moment or anytime going forward. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the, your most recent, your latest bestseller, um, of course is start right where you are. Um, so I'm pulling a bit from that today in our talk. And I also know, I just want to tease it up out there. The upcoming book secrets of highly creative people, uh, will be, I'm sure coming out within the next year or two. So we'll have to have you back on the show to talk about that. But so let's talk some more strategies. And one of the ones that has come up a lot that I noticed one of your favorite ones that you mentioned at the outset and it, it, it factors in throughout the book is this concept of five minute art. What is that? Oh, it's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here's the, here's, here's what makes some five minute art about is, is about it's especially useful when you're sort of trapped in a feeling. Okay. You know, cause we can be as, you know, we can read everything and be super evolved and, but then, jealousy strikes or disappointment strikes or heartbreak strikes or something terrible happens or you're, you're just feeling pissy, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't, you know, when you get sort of trapped in a feeling you can't negotiate your way out of, grab a piece of paper and a pen and just make some five minute art about it. And I say five minutes, it usually takes people less than 90 seconds. You can do it right now, people. Just grab, it can be stick figures on typing paper, but just make some shapes of like, what is the shape of the feeling? What is the color of this feeling? What is this? If I were to do a representation of this feeling I'm having, this jealousy, this heartbreak, this pissiness, what's that going to look like? And if you don't want to draw, then do a dance or make up a song or get out your Sculpey clay, you know, whatever turns you on, but nothing too intellectual, like nothing with too many words. Um, Cause we were really just looking to get the feeling out. Yeah. Because here's the thing. 
Feelings just want to be felt. Yes. Feelings just want to be felt. That's all they want. And once a feeling knows it's been felt, it can get promoted and get a better job. And I heard you say recently, and I love this, um, what happens when we send feelings down to the basement and don't deal with them? (laughs) They go down there and lift weights, (laughs) which I wish I had written that. Somebody else came up with it, but I think it's so funny and so true, right? I'll just lock that feeling away. Yeah, it's going to go down there and lift weights. So... (laughs) So this allows, and and my experience is that the minute you make a picture of how you're feeling, you get a different perspective on it. You literally get a different perspective on it. And I do this with people who are afraid to charge, right? What is, what's the feeling of, of, you know, this desire to charge more and being afraid of doing it? What's the feeling of the criticism you think you're going to face? What does that feel like? What does that look like? I was um, being interviewed by a woman one time who had a podcast, but she also still had a full-time job that uh, she wasn't loving. And she, you know, was going to interview me. She was reading Start Right Where You Are in preparation for that. She read the thing about make some five-minute art and did exactly the thing we all do, which is like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I should totally do that sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that sometime. But then that day, she had a terrible day at work. She got home. She's really upset. She sees the book on her desk and says, ah, I should make, I'm really upset. I should make some five minute art about this. So she draws herself in the middle of the circle and then everyone from work standing in a circle around her throwing rocks at her. Oh. Now, first of all, like what an incredibly powerful statement. Like if you're wondering what's the truth of what's going on with you, like that's, it's one thing to say, honey, I've had a bad day. It's another thing to be able to say, honey, this is how this feels to me right now, mm. right? But then as she, so she does this drawing and then she's inspired to take a different color pen and draw a little circle around herself. And she says that circle is the love of God. Oh my goodness. So she goes into work the next day knowing that she is 100% protected by God's love. Wow. And I think we can all make, I think we can all know the end of the story of how does it feel, you know, what happens when you go to work and you think everyone's throwing rocks at you. Yeah. <laughs> I think we know, I think we know how that story ends. Yeah. But how does the story end when you go in saying, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent safe. I'm a hundred percent protected by God's love. Like whole new world. And all from five minute art. I'm telling you what. <laughs> And it works great with kids, too. Actually, if you've got kids, it's a really fun way to help kids express what's going on for them. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, Yeah. So, and I wanted to, I was just as we were talking here, and I'm looking at the time, and I realized, oh, my gosh, you had a very nice little freebie that I was supposed to mention earlier. And I even highlighted it and wrote it throughout my outline and forgot to mention it. So just for those out there listening, if you would like to get Sam's Procrastination Domination Starter Kit, just go to the website, therealsambennett.com forward slash kit, like K-I-T. So you get the Procrastination Domination Starter Kit. So that's therealsambennett.com forward slash kit. Um, so Sam, I, I'm curious, you know, as we're getting close to the end of the hour, one of the things that I imagine that you come across uh, and working with your students is 
I'm too old or I'm just too far behind. Why, why even bother? Or can I even bother? What do you say to that? I say, how can that be? (laughs) (laughs) How can that be? You are the perfect age and the perfect size and have the perfect level of health and the perfect mental well-being to do whatever it is that is in front of you to do. You may have to do it your way. You know, there might be more to the sentence, you know, I'm too old to do this without help. <laughs> or I'm too old to do this without, um, you know, taking baby steps or I'm too, you know, there might be a second half to that sentence, but there's, there's no other version of you. There's no other time other than now. So we have to feel like everything that has happened up to now is what has unfolded up to now. We can't change it. So it must have been right. There's no alternate, there's no choice. <laughs> you know, when, there's, when there's no choice, when there's only one, that one has to be right, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if our life has been right up to now, then what is before us and what we are inspired to do right now is is also right. So, and don't try to know the end of the story before you start. You know, just start. 15 minutes a day, follow those sparkly breadcrumbs, those little bits of divine inspired right action, that moment where you have like, huh, that's so funny. It's the third time today I'm thinking about calling so-and-so. Yeah, guess what? Call them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and then you call them, you go, hi, this is so weird because I know we haven't talked for a long time, but I thought of you three times today and I thought, well, that's it. I just have to call. Right. I mean, you know, you see the little ad in the paper, you see the flashing thing on the website, you hear somebody mention the name of a town that you've never heard of before. Like, follow those little sparkles and then see what happens. It may be that you start to follow the sparkles and it turns out you don't want to do this thing after all. Yeah. Yeah. But on the other, but sometimes you follow the sparkles and like the tidal wave of support and ease and grace and joy and money and friendship and good looks and great shoes. It's like everywhere. And moving to Carpinteria. (laughs) Carpinteria. That's right. And with that, we are at the end of our hour. Sam, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you again on Sunny in Seattle. Thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. What a treat. Absolutely. And uh, we've been talking to Samantha Bennett. Website is therealsambennett.com. The wonderful tips and suggestions that we talked about today, um, you can find in Start Right Where You Are, How Little Changes Can Make a Big Difference for Overwhelmed Procrastinators, Frustrated Overachievers, and Recovering Perfectionists. You have been listening to Sunny in Seattle. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Sunny Joy signing off. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.